You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. By now, you've probably come to realise that pensions are one of Simon's favourite topics. He thinks they're ace, and to be honest, the more I hear him talk about them, the more convinced I am they might not be a bad thing. But as with everything, pensions don't exist for their own sake. They have a purpose, and the purpose of a pension is to help us retire. So, brace yourselves. Let's open up the floodgates and see what Simon has to say about getting ready for retirement. Thank you, Bex. Great intro. Let's get stuck in. Okay, you said that the purpose of pensions is to help us retire, and you are absolutely right. That said, you don't need to have a pension to retire. And if you do have a pension, you don't always have to use it for retirement. Let me explain. In the vast majority of cases, using a pension will enhance your retirement. It will help you pay less tax and save more money. It will add an element of discipline to your retirement planning and will allow you to either retire with more money, uh, retire earlier, or just possibly earlier and with more money. For a very small minority, however, a pension can also be a good tool to pass money on to the next generation when they die. And so they don't primarily use it for their own retirement needs. But for today's episode, we're going to focus on how best to use pensions and other resources to get ready for retirement. Why do we need to get ready for retirement? And how soon do we need to start planning for it? Well, for my parents' generation and those that came before, typically retirement involved much less planning. They were more likely to be members of defined benefit pension schemes. Uh, Those are the ones that give a, a predetermined pension based on how many years you've worked for your employer and what your salary was. They are more likely to have worked for the same employer for longer, if not their entire careers sometimes. They are more likely to have a set retirement age. It was 60 for women and it was 65 for men for a very long time. And early retirement was much less common. So when this generation reached retirement age, they had to stop working. Then both their state pension and their workplace pension started paying out. But today, however, there is no fixed retirement age. And there's a lot more flexibility about when and how you retire, meaning there is more planning to be done and there are more decisions to be made. It's probably worth pointing out that not everyone has the luxury of deciding when to retire, do they? I'm thinking here of illness, redundancy or even death. Yeah, you're right, Bex. Sometimes people are forced to retire because they are no longer able to work due to health issues or because they're made redundant and cannot find replacement work. And then there are those who actually never even make it to retirement. Each of these have their own considerations and are beyond the scope of today's episode. The majority of people do have the choice of when to retire and so we're going to focus on them. Now, 
not only is retirement a complex set of decisions, but it's also something that we don't get to practice. Most people only retire once, and so they only have one chance to work through the implications. Our job today is to share some of my experience of helping many people navigate that journey to and in fact through retirement. So where do we start then? What's the first step in planning for retirement? In previous episodes, we've talked about saving into a pension and how for younger people, it's often a balancing act between saving for their future and paying for the here and now. In our career progression episode, I suggested that steadily increasing the savings going into pension was a good way to allocate any pay rises achieved rather than just spending all that extra money. And here is the concept behind why I suggest that. There are a few factors working together to give you a better retirement experience. Now, the aim here is to reduce the difference between how much you're earning just before retirement and how much you're earning, or at least taking from pension and other sources, just after retirement. In the years leading up to retirement, your earnings are likely to be relatively high compared to earlier in life. Your experience and your skills make you more valuable. But when retirement hits, you will likely experience a reduction in income. We can anticipate that this is going to happen. In fact, the government has indicated that their expectation of good pension planning is somebody that retires with about two-thirds of their pre-retirement income coming from pensions of some type or another. So that means if you were earning £30,000 per year before retirement, you'd be targeting £20,000 of pension income. This is the sort of math that I can do. If someone was earning £60,000 per annum before retirement, then their target pension income would be £40,000. But if I remember some of your comments on the state pension, it's broadly the same for everyone. If you work for enough years, you'll get a full basic state pension. Those who earn more don't get a bigger state pension, do they? Not anymore. Although there will be some people listening who may have earned higher state pensions before the rules changed. Now, however, if you have worked for 35 years paying national insurance, or if you've been claiming child benefits some of those years, you get qualifying national insurance years in those circumstances then you will receive a full basic state pension, which is a little under £10,000 per annum at the moment. So one factor that gives you a higher income in retirement is aiming for that full state pension. If you have only achieved 30 qualifying years, that's what they call them, then each extra year you work will gain you another 1 35th of the state pension which will be paid to you for the rest of your life after you reach state pension age. And how do we check how many qualifying years we have? There is a whole page on the government website called Check Your State Pension. And this will tell you how many qualifying years you have so far, how many more you might achieve before state pension age, how much state pension you have already achieved, and how much more you could get with those extra years. You also have the option of buying additional years by paying a lump sum to the government 
and then getting a higher income in retirement from the government. Okay, so that's our first factor, building up your state pension. What's the next factor? Right, your state pension is going up because you're paying national insurance, at least until you hit the maximum 35 years. Your other pensions, whether they are defined benefit pensions, they're sometimes called final salary or career average pensions, or we have defined contribution pensions, and these are sometimes called money purchase or personal pensions. They will continue to grow because you're either working more years or because you're continuing to pay more money into them. Clearly, building a bigger pension pot while you're working is going to give you a bigger income in retirement. Although, I should note that pensions which are invested can go up and down. And although you might put more money in, the value can still go down, certainly in the short term. We talk about that and some of the ways to manage investment risk in Season 3. So factor one so far is to increase state pensions. Factor two is to increase our other pensions, whether company pension schemes or personal pensions. Are there any other pensions we can increase for factor three, Simon? Alas, no, Bex. Factor three is not to increase pension income, but instead is to decrease pre-retirement expenditure. I'll use some round numbers to make this a little easier to understand. Imagine, if you will, that in the lead up to retirement, your salary, your earnings, and let's even say after tax maybe, are about £3,000 a month, a good healthy amount. Using that government two-thirds target for pension income, you're planning on building up a pension fund of around £2,000 a month. That's the income you're after. Now, about £800 of that will come from a full state pension. So you are £1,200 per month short, and your current pension, say, is anticipated to generate £1,000 per month. And how do we know what the current pension is going to pay out? That depends on the kind of pension, doesn't it? It does. Some pensions are very clear about what you will get and when. Those are the defined benefit pensions. And you'll probably get an annual statement or sometimes just an email saying, If you retire at 65, your pension will pay you £1,000 per month. But don't forget to consider tax. So we still have to pay tax on our pensions? We do still pay tax above the personal allowance on pensions, but we don't pay any more national insurance. And how do those with defined contribution pensions know how much they will get? Okay, so these ones, you have to request an estimate from your pension provider or possibly just go online which will tell you how much of an annuity your fund will buy. An annuity. This is a guaranteed annual payment for life, although you can take it monthly. Or you have to do some financial planning work to establish how much income could you sustain by drawing money directly from your pension pot. That's called pension drawdown rather than buying an annuity. But... There'll be more about that in our next episode. So our imaginary pre-retiree has an income of £3,000 and a state pension forecast of £800 and is expecting a further £1,000 per month from their other pensions. That means their total income in retirement is looking like £1,800 per month, according to my maths. And I do feel like I'm doing a higher maths question, so it could be ropey. So that's a £1,200 drop from their pre-retirement income. 
spot on so far. Now, in the final years before retirement, unless you throw a lot of money into your pension, you aren't going to make a massive difference to your income. You see, if you add, say, £1,000 to your pension pot when you're 64, you might live for another 20 years or more. And so that £1,000 can only increase your income by, in reality, it's a few tens of pounds per year. That's not going to make much of a change to that £1,200 shortfall or drop in your current income. However, there is a psychological change that we can make, which has a much bigger impact. So of the £3,000 per month that is currently being earned, what would happen if £500 of it just went away? Well, they'd only be earning £2,500 per month. And what would happen to that shortfall between their pre-retirement income and post-retirement income? It would drop from £1,200 per month to £700 per month. So the shortfall is smaller, but they've given up £500 a month. Surely that's not a good outcome for them. Well, that depends entirely on what they do with the £500. So if you were thinking about what to do with £500 a month of spare income in the few years leading up to retirement, and you knew that your pension was going to give you £700 per month, less income than currently when you got to retirement, what might you choose to do with that spare £500, Bex? Channeling my inner Simon, I'm going to say, put it in a pension. Perhaps you did that. What would that do to your pension income in retirement? Make it bigger. Absolutely. So you are still earning the same money, but rather than having it and spending it before retirement, and then having this big drop in income when you come to retire, you instead voluntarily reduce your income now by putting more into your pension. Now, that increases your pension income a bit, and it also reduces your dependency on income now. If the pension grew by, say, £200 a month because of those last few years of extra contributions going in, then the effect will have been to reduce your shortfall from £1,200. The difference between £3,000 income and £1,800 pension. Down to £500 a lower income of £2,500 and a higher pension of £2,000. A lot of numbers at play here, Bex. Okay, so at this stage in life, there may be many other factors at play. You might be paying off the last of your mortgage, which could free up some income. You might have children going to university or getting married, which could actually increase your costs. You might have grandchildren arriving on the scene and you want to reduce your working hours to help look after them. This is the stage in life where you might decide that it's worth paying for some professional financial advice to get this transition into retirement just right. So if we took your example to the extreme though, Simon, surely people would reduce their pre-retirement income too much and increase their pension too much or work too long and then end up with as big an income in retirement as they had before, but possibly not with enough time to enjoy spending it. Yes, although honestly, that's rarely the outcome. For most people, there is a, a period of time when they're asking the question often of themselves, can I afford to retire? For most, this starts sometime after age 55, which is the earliest at the moment that you can access 
personal pensions or even company pensions. And the questioning period ends sometime around 66 or 67 when the state pension kicks in. Now, you're allowed to retire whenever you like. You can just stop working. That's retirement. But that means you stop earning. So unless you have a replacement source of income, typically a pension, then you have to keep working. Now, there are some people who end up working through to 65, 66, 67, because they don't realize that they already have enough money to retire. When they do stop working, they have more income than they actually need, because generally we spend less money as we get older. But also they have less life left to enjoy it, either because of health issues or because people die earlier than expected. The trick if there is one. The art of this kind of financial planning is to retire with enough income to be able to do so without the fear of ever running out of money. Retire early with less or retire later with more. That's the balance. So practically, what can we do to try and get our timing right? How do we know when we can afford to retire? Whenever, Bex, we ask ourselves the question, can I afford, what is our solution? Um, a budget? It is indeed. And how might a budget help answer the question of when can I afford to retire? I suppose we need to know how much it's going to cost us to live in retirement. If we know that and we have an idea of how much our pensions are going to give us in retirement, then we can work out when we can afford to stop working. Spot on. Take our example. Let's say that our imaginary pre-retiree had a budget and that budget said that she needed £2,000 per month to live. And that includes paying the bills and the rent or the mortgage or maybe nothing because she's paid it off. Uh, a car loan if she's got one, food, clothes, etc, etc. And we've also talked in a bonus episode about budgeting for things like Christmases and birthdays, holidays or replacing a car. Yeah, so you have to have all those things in your retirement budget to know when you can afford to stop working. You might conclude that it costs you £1,500 per month on the essential bills and then £500 per month on things that we might call luxuries. So for example, holidays. You don't need to go on holiday to survive like you need to buy food to survive, but people definitely want to go on holiday. If you knew your pension income could provide enough to cover the essentials, but not the luxuries, then you would know that you can afford to retire, but perhaps not with the lifestyle that you want. You might choose to keep working for a few more years, keep paying into your pension so that you reach the stage when you can afford some of those luxuries that might make retirement more comfortable. I feel like we've covered the essentials of getting ready for retirement. But there are usually a few other thoughts that you have, Simon, which we drop in before wrapping our episodes up. What are your nuggets of wisdom for today's topic? Okay, nugget number one. If you are part of a couple, there are two of you now having to work out when to retire. Discuss perhaps whether you want to retire together at the same time, or if one of you wants or in fact needs to retire first. That could be due to differences in your age or in your health or even how much you enjoy your work, to be honest. Then, 
In the lead up to retirement, consider whose pension to work on building up. If one of you, for example, is a higher rate taxpayer, then it can often, though not always, make sense to pay more into their pension as it will cost you less to do so because of the higher rate tax relief you'll obtain. On the flip side of that, if one of you already has a much bigger pension than the other, then it may make sense to try and begin to equalise the two, especially if one of you won't be paying any tax in retirement because your total pension income is going to be below the personal allowance. Nugget number one. Nugget number two. Pensions are not the only money that you can spend in retirement. There are reasons that you might have money in savings or investments as well as in a pension. Bring these into your calculations for affordability as well. It's a really big shift in mindset to go from being a saver during your working life to being a spender in retirement. But it's essential that you're deliberate about how much you spend and what money you spend to get the best out of retirement. Nugget number three, little one here, inheritance. You might want to leave some money behind to the next generation. Now, there's a lot we can talk about there from a theological perspective, so we'll do that in a couple of episodes' time, along with the practicalities of what to leave and how best to leave it. Uh, Nugget number four, timing. I've heard too many clients tell me this kind of thing. My dad worked until he was 70, And then he died when he was 72 and none of his pension got left to his family. People can get really put off pensions for that kind of reason. Don't leave it too late to retire. And when you do retire, don't leave it too late to spend the money. You will never be as young again and you will probably never be as healthy again. So if you plan on traveling in retirement, hey, why not go traveling now, even before you retire or as soon as you've retired? If you plan on moving house, do it sooner rather than later. If you are finally getting around to putting in that new kitchen, do it now and get the benefit of it for years to come. In retirement, you are spending money you already have. You're not saving it up anymore. Use your money. Don't just sit on it. You don't actually have to wait until you are retired to start living like a retiree. And of course, nugget number five, you can still give money away in retirement. That should form part of your budget. And in fact, it should probably be the first item on it. Awesome. Some real gems in there, Simon. So thank you for sharing those five nuggets of wisdom. That's all we have time for today. Next episode, we'll be talking about retirement itself. So we'll hear more on some of these topics. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer or a topic you'd like us to cover, please email where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or drop us a message on Instagram at where your treasure is podcast. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.